I'm Arthur. And I'm Susan. This is the Parent Talk Podcast. Managing the challenges of daily parenting. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, the nation's most trusted source of organic and healthy sleep products for your children. You can visit them at naturepedic.com. That's naturepedic.com. Welcome back to Parent Talk, Managing the Challenges of Daily Parenting. And today we're very pleased to have a very special guest return to our show. Dr. Leah Gagino is on the board of directors of the American Academy of Pediatrics and also serves as the president of the district of American Academy of Pediatrics where I live and where she lives. Uh, I'm in Ohio and, and she's in Michigan. And Leah also is the host of Pediatric Meltdown, which is a fabulous podcast I can recommend to all of the listeners here on Parent Talk. She has absolutely spectacular guests across the range of all concerns around care of children. And today we're going to take that expertise that we're so honored to have with us today and really focus on a topic that can't get enough attention, and that's the topic of resilience. And just to set up this discussion, I want to say to all the parents listening I know you know that we doctors often spend a lot of time talking about risk factors, about things that will make life worse, about something impacting, in this case, their mental health or their performance in school or their behavior. But we want to make sure we don't ignore the other half of the equation. We're all endowed with this amazing power of healing that we call resilience, the ability to take a difficult situation and turn it around into something that strengthens us. So we're going to talk about resilience today, but right at the beginning, I don't want to have anyone have any illusions that when we talk about resilience, we're losing sight in any way, shape, or form of the challenges that we face. The challenges are something we talk about all the time, but I do believe this episode is very, very timely, giving all of us and those listening an opportunity to learn a lot about the power of resilience in the story of how our children grow up. So welcome again, Leah. It's great to have you on our uh, podcast, and uh, we're so pleased you can join us today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. So you've given a lot of thought to this. I know Pediatric Meltdown is going to feature a major series on trauma, and we're excited to be uh, listening to that. But you also given a lot of thought as a practicing pediatrician as well about what it means to have powers of resilience. What are those powers of resilience? How can parents think about what is this thing we call resilience? So I think to set the stage a little bit, maybe parents have heard about things like adverse childhood experiences or toxic stress. And those would be those things like you were mentioning that are difficult and can produce some real struggles. You know, all kids will encounter difficult things and parents too. So you can think about an adverse event, if you will, that might be like getting your baby vaccinated. Well, that could be difficult for the baby, difficult for parents, but you know what happens when our babies cry and are disturbed like that. We snuggle them up and we say things like, shh, it's okay, it's okay. And that is a buffering to that difficult event. There may be things like losses, you know, maybe the death of a grandparent or loss of a pet. And again, those are an adverse event. And again, we're there to have rituals and ceremonies around loss to really buffer those kids. But it's really some of those significant stressors that might be things like a parent's mental illness. Maybe there's abuse in the household, divorce, some of those difficult things. And again, children can weather that if they have a really strong, stable, nurturing relationship. Without that, 
then that's when we really see kids struggle. And sometimes you'll see things like behavioral issues down the road. So resilience is that buffering. And that's what we as parents can do. And I think as pediatricians, we can help foster that relationship. So the best thing I would say to parents is you are the antidote to toxic stressors and difficult things in life. That magic between you and your baby, your toddler, your teenager, you being able to say, I'm here, this is going to be tough, but you got this and I'm here with you and it's going to be okay, is really, really incredibly buffering and builds what are called positive childhood experiences that help us kind of ride the waves of life's difficulties because there are lots. We can't protect our children from those as as much as we'd like to. And, you know, it is the case that the profession of pediatrics has really moved in this direction. So we look at the policy papers issued by the Academy on the issue of toxic stress, which proved just what you were saying, Leah, that yes, adverse child events are damaging to people and they can be damaging long-term, but a stable, secure, uh, nurturing relationships, which strengthen the ability of a child to be resilient in the face of adversity, do actually buffer those events. And so the next chapter in the story is the power of relational health overcomes the the damage of adversity. And I love your reference to the positive childhood experiences because, you know, first we want to put out the fires that harm our children, but there's a balance here. Yes, there are harms done, but there are also protections available. And I think your point's very well taken that parents are in a position to give their child those protections against adversity. On the other hand, we want to be sure we don't give parents the sense that they're on eggshells, that, you know, any problem their child has as a result of them failing to provide the right protection. So it's a complicated story, right? Well, I had the opportunity, and I hope your listeners will tune in to Pediatric Meltdown in January because I did a podcast with Ed Tronic, and Dr. Tronic did a very famous study called The Still Face, and it was essentially a mother, instead of responding to her baby's distress, just kept a still face, and the baby just gets more and more distressed. And then what happens is she sort of breaks that and then has this lovely interaction with the baby and the baby calms down and and the distress goes away. But he talks a lot about this infant caregiver dyad, and they used to think that you had to get it just right. But what he found, and he said, it's kind of like a dance. And Arthur, I know you're a ballroom dancer, so you'll appreciate this analogy. That when you're dancing, that sometimes you step on your partner's toes, you might stumble. And you can correct it, right? You can move on, you can change your footwork, and it's okay. And so one of the things I took away from that interview with him was, you don't have to be perfect, you just stay in the game. And again, there's that magic. And I had an opportunity to talk to another professional, uh, Marty Martinez, who is the CEO of Reach Out and Read. And that program is to put books into the hands of parents, you know, in our offices. But he said it's more than the book. Reading from the parent to the baby is this beautiful back and forth thing. I'm listening, I'm comforting. And so there are simple things like that, you know, reading to a child. You don't have to take a course in psychology to have relational health. It's being with each other. And I would just share just from my own, I had a pretty traumatic childhood. A a lot of bad and scary things happened, but I had a grandmother who was my person. 
And I know that's why I became a pediatrician, because Mm. my goal was to have other children be safe and to grow up with positive experiences. But I credit her I think, honestly, it made me a better pediatrician. So that was the positive experiences and and where I got some resilience. Having that person, somebody that's got your back makes a huge difference. Well, trauma is such an important topic on its own. I'm sorry that you've experienced it, but I know our listeners will agree that this seems to be the uh, universal human experience, that all of us experience, at the very least, some misalignment, some miscuing, at the very least, and A lot of us experience much worse in the realm of adverse experience or trauma. It just seems to be part of being humans. That's why I really welcome this conversation about resilience. And something you said about uh, Dr. Tronick's work reminds me of this work by uh, Dr. Bethel, which has become such a prominent study these days as well. She looked at a group of kids and she tried to measure how much adversity they experience. We know that there's all these scales of adverse child experience. They go by the familiar phrase ACEs. And if you score having more than four of these adverse events in your life, that's a pretty heavy burden of adversity is how we scale these things. So she took a a sample of kids and she talked to their families and the kids and she figured out how many adverse child events, how many ACEs these kids had. And then she did something that not many researchers before her have done. And they looked at this question of resilience and she asked how many features of a very vibrant, what we call stable, secure, nurturing relationship were present in the children's life? How strong were those relationships? Like the one you described so movingly you had with your grandmother. And she scored that, you know, she gave a number to how strong those positive childhood experiences were, but specifically around the strength of a relationship. Over time, she came back and reported on this concept, which I find so moving, which is uh, called flourishing. And she asked how flourishing were these children? And what she was particularly looking at was their ability to complete tasks the level of their curiosity, overall engagement in the world. Were they withdrawn? Were they struggling in school? And this was a real shock to me when I first heard this study, Leah. She found that within the sample, the kids who had no adverse child experiences, but very poor relationships, they weren't getting much from their families. And compare those to kids who had four or more ACEs. So four or more traumatic events in their life, but who had very strong relationships Guess who flourished more than the other? The kids who had all these adverse events in their life but had strong relationships actually scored much higher in the scores on flourishing than the kids who had no adverse effects but also very weak relationships. So here's a case where science actually was able to measure the question, which is stronger, adversity or relationship? And relationship clearly won in this particular study. Well, and I had a chance to chat with Dr. Heather Forkey, who's done a lot of work on trauma and resilience, particularly in foster kids. And she talks about the reactions to stress, that fight, flight, freeze. And then the other one, the fourth one, and that's affiliate. And that's our being with each other, which is kind of our saving grace. And again, when you think about children who are going through horrible, scary, bad things, to have that one person If there's more, that's even better. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a family member. It's just someone who has your back. You know, I'd also say to your listeners, because many of the parents who are listening may have had their own adversity. And we bring that to our parenting. I mean, we can't not have our baggage. But I think recognizing it really would help as we parent our children. Me being aware and taking care of my mental health and emotional health helps my baby. 
And then, of course, surrounding yourself with your resilience factors, which are your friends and your family. For me, it's my BFF and my husband is my rock. So, you know, we all have our people. You know, we all struggle with stuff. I I don't know that anybody gets off scot-free. Well, you know, I, I don't think so. And I think that's been an important lesson that has come forward over the last few years. I also want to say how much I appreciate what you're saying here, Leah. We recently had a series with our friend, Dr. Andy Garner. And he talks a lot about uh, biosynchrony, bioemotional synchrony, and how we are built to go out of synchrony. So everyone slips and everyone does something that interrupts or actually hurts the relationship. But we also have the ability to go back into synchrony and we call that repair. And to me, repair is one of the main mechanisms of resilience. And so maybe we could talk a bit about how parents might experience going out of synchrony and how they get back into it. Sure. I may wind it back a little bit and talk about where parents can get that support preemptively. So I think about like, I've had a baby and I'm struggling. What we've learned now is to ask moms and dads, how are you? How are you really? Are you getting enough sleep? And I found that in my practice, and now, you know, we're recommended as pediatricians to be formally asking our parents how they're doing. And so we're, we're kind of fishing to see how are you, you know, how are you really? And so one of the things is just talking to your pediatrician, your obstetrician about like, hey, I'm, I'm not doing that well, or I'm scared. And just for us to normalize, yeah, that's probably normal. Or gee, that sounds like it's more than we would expect. And here, let me help you. So I'm doing that relational health with my pediatrician. So I think that that's one thing. And then again, I think knowing that you don't have to get this right. If you ask my kids and I did an episode with them, you know, there are plenty of times I didn't get it right. And, you know, they're resilient and they thrive. But, you know, again, I think it's knowing that kids are going to be distressed and that's okay. The best you can do is kind of ride the ride with them and let them know, hey, I've got your back. I know that this argument you had with your friend is really upsetting. I can't fix that relationship, but I can be here to hear how hard that was. And I think sometimes sticking with the emotion that your kid has, if your child is scared or sad, just to kind of name the emotion is helpful and normalizing things as much as possible. But I think the other is, is it's okay to ask for help. You know, you talk to your friends. I think you have to be a little careful about the internet because, um, you know, everybody's Googling everything all the time. Me too. But, you know, ask some professional folks, you know, hey, is this normal? I did a really lovely podcast with Ken Ginsberg, who is a adolescent medicine specialist. And he talked about setting the stage for parenting adolescents as a really positive, like, this is a great adventure. And he wrote a book called Congratulations, You're Having a Teen. And he <laughs> he talked about, you know, how often, and, and I've been guilty of it as well, to say, oh, good luck, you know, it's going to get tough. And rather than that kind of setting us up that it's going to be negative is to set it up as this is an incredible time for your kid. This is time of discovery. It's like climbing mountains. There's going to be some slips and tumbles, but this is so cool what they're doing right now. Now, again, if you're having really hard time, suicidal ideation, you know, the really scary stuff, a positive attitude, you're going to need more than that. You're going to need help. But I think you can bounce it off your pediatrician is always a a good place, I think. I mean, this is this kind of stuff that you and I hear a lot and can either normalize or say, yeah, I can see where you'd be concerned. 
You know, your wonderful examples bring to mind another one, which is, let's say you find out from a friend of your 10-year-old son that he's being mercilessly bullied at school. As pediatricians, we've all come across this, and I don't think there's any family in the country that hasn't experienced that or knows someone who's experienced it. It's very common. But it turns out bullying is a horribly adverse childhood event. I mean, it's really damaging. And so it's a very serious thing. And the other thing that makes it challenging is that the child being bullied and the parent of the child being bullied really aren't in a position to stop the bully from continuing their harm. So it's one of these adverse effects where the people who we care about most, the child himself and the parent of the child, aren't in a position to keep the harm from continuing to occur. Really, it's the school. The school has the power to stop the bully from bullying. And so what I often do in this situation is I'll meet with the family and I'll help them connect to the school. Typically, I'd say it's the principal who is in the strongest position to end a bullying episode. There was a school, I want to say, one mile from our house. It was the only schools I know of that had no bullying. And why was that? Because this principal greeted every child at the front door every day. So every child knew that he knew their parents, he knew their siblings. His principal rarely spent any time in his office. He went to the playground, he was in the classrooms, he was in the closets, he was in the bathrooms every day, all day. And so Bully knew that he was going to get caught. And to put the icing on the cake, whenever bullying erupted, he would end it immediately. He would bring the bully into his office. The bully would know that he knew his parents and he knew the situation was, and he would shut it down. And so that's an example of how bullying can be stopped. Now, why do I bring this up? This is sort of a different topic. But a child who's bullied in a school that doesn't end the bullying, and most schools don't, is going to have an ongoing adverse effect. And what, where does resilience come into our story here? Well, if the parent can repair the situation in league with a pediatrician, because often the pediatrician can be very helpful in getting the school's ear to get their attention to act, then the parent can sit with the child and let them know that they realize what sort of pain this has caused. They're willing to listen to their 10-year-old son talk about it and help him recover. That is using the power of relationship to allow some to repair a harm. And to me, that's just a sort of a paradigm sort of example of what resilience is all about. And to your point, Leah, if bullying goes on too long, if it's not stuffed out quickly enough or it's severe enough, then the pediatrician and parent will often have to turn to more intensive help to help the child recover from that harm. But the main point we want to make here is that the power of the relationship between the parent and child allows the parent to find a way to end the continuation of the adversity and help the child heal from it. And that that is, I believe, how relationships have been shown to help people recover from adversity. I think that's how it's done. They end the adversity and they help the child heal from it. They repair it. So I think this concept of resilience is so central to what we do for our kids. I think everything you've talked about is about relationship. I mean, there's not like a medication in there. Um, There's not even any therapy in there that you've talked about. You've just talked about being with other people. And it makes me think about another conversation I had with an expert who was previously a Secret Service agent Mm. um, on presidential detail. and, And her whole field of expertise is threat assessment. She works with universities and schools and businesses around the country to try and mitigate those bad and scary events that we all fear. And when there are people who have been maligned, bullied perhaps, or have lost a job, 
the worst thing is to isolate them. Mm. Um, and so that's where I kind of take issue a little bit with suspensions out of school or expulsions. Oh, yes. Because now they're alone. So if you can pull them in and, and as she said, connect the dots, what, what's going on in this kid's life? What's in, going on in the family? You know, it's like you build a safety net around the kid and that relationship then helps to build this person in as opposed to them lashing out in dangerous ways. So that's sort of the extreme, but, mm -hmm. you know, you can go down all kinds of paths and, and certainly kids who have been victims of being bullied, that can be turned inwardly into loss of self-confidence and, you know, really thinking something's wrong with me. And that's where we want to affiliate, to be with them. And hopefully then they can share what's really going on in their heart. And that's how we build resilience and positive experiences. I'm here for you. Well, I think that really puts the whole uh, story of resilience into a great perspective. And I'm glad we had a chance to really talk about real life experience of adversity and how they are balanced by the real life experiences of resilience. They're really both major parts of everyone's life. And I'm so glad we had a chance to really promote the power of resilience and share with our listeners this takeaway message that, yes, there are slips, there are harms, but there is a tool that we all have available to us. It's naturally there that we can promote called resilience. I hope everyone had a chance to learn something about it today. So thank you for your leadership and your expertise, Dr. Gugino. It's great to be with you again. Thanks for coming to Parent Talk. Well, thank you. And I would just leave listeners with, for me, I often think about being a pediatrician as experiencing the magic in the room, that relational minute or two that I might get with the baby. There's nothing like hearing a baby laugh, right? Um, <laughs> the silly toddler, um, you know, a teenager who gets to share something special or something scary or sad, you know, entrust that intimacy with you. And, you know, the magic of being a parent or of being an aunt or a grandparent, a teacher, whoever it is, that opportunity you have to create a positive experience for a child is incredibly powerful and magical. Indeed. Well, magic's a great note to end on, and I hope there's lots of magic and uh, happiness for everyone through the holidays. And I hope you have a happy and healthy New Year, Leah. Thank you so much, and thanks for asking me back. Thanks again for listening to the Parent Talk podcast. You can find back episodes and send us your parenting questions at parenttalkpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, at naturepedic.com.